Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today we will be discussing episode thirty-four of Yanxi Gonglue, or the story of Yanxi Palace. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. Karen also did just post a few additional reviews on our website, so please do remember to check out our website at chasingdramas.com periodically for our latest reviews and thoughts on dramas. We also just posted a November drama update, so if you are looking for other dramas to watch, please do check out that episode as well. And on to the story of Yanxi Palace. The big day arrives. And、uh, we have a lot of thoughts on this episode. Episode thirty-four begins with the emperor finalizing his plans for his tax reduction. In the last episode and the beginning of this episode, we do see that the emperor is one that is focused on ruling the empire, and we commend him for his efforts. I think I find him most attractive when he is just ruling the empire, not when he's being a little jealous individual,、uh, causing havoc for other people's、uh, relationships. One morning, he sees Yingluo clearing out weeds as part of her job at Xinjiaku. Remembering her words that as long as he does his job one step at a time, his subjects will remember him. He decides that he's been too harsh on her in the past and wants to lift her punishment. With that news, he's like kind of happy about it. He decides that he will personally deliver this news to Chang Chunggong when she is there. But luck really isn't on Ying Luo's side for today, or at least this episode. One night, when Ying Luo sneaks out of Xinjiaku to Chang Chunggong to take care of the Empress. She is seen by Er Ting. I mean, I don't understand why they're not more careful. Er Ting is considered one of the worst people in the drama, and we're now actually only seeing maybe thirty percent of how terrible she is. She is just insanely jealous to find that Fu Hong has also sneaked out to Chang Chunggong to see Ying Luo and help her take care of her sister. When the emperor arrives to see the empress, who is still in a coma, he originally came to tell the empress the good news that he will place Ying Luo back at her side at Changchungong. But Er Ting skillfully advises the emperor to go find Ying Luo in the back to tell her the news personally. However, when they arrive, they happen upon Ying Luo and Fu Hong helping each other gather water in the back near a well. Except. Their actions are extremely friendly, so much so that the emperor is furious to see the scene and storms out. Er Ting, meanwhile, is just super pleased at herself for sabotaging Ying Luo and Fu Hong in front of the emperor. That edict to promote Ying Luo back to Changchungong? Nope, it's being tossed away. I believe it is now that the emperor. Has recognized that he has some possessive affections over Ying Luo. I feel that he has still not clearly defined his personal feelings for Ying Luo, but he's recognizing that he、uh, is rather possessive of her. The thing is, at this point, Ying Luo is none the wiser as to what happened the prior night. She did not, or does not know, that the emperor saw them. 
Back at Shinjuku, though, she is met with a messy scene. Yingluo's quarters, which is just a warehouse, is being searched by a slew of eunuchs, and the managing auntie, Liu Momo, announces that they found a wooden doll. This is serious business and is escalated all the way up to the now noble consort Xian, or Xian Guifei, as well as the emperor who decides that he wanted to interrogate the truth directly because it involves Wei Yingluo. Turns out, the wooden doll that was discovered is currently being claimed by Liu Momo that it was used by Yingluo to curse and kill noble consort Gao or Gao Guifei. The doll has Gao Guifei's birthday on it, as well as a red string tied around its neck. Clearly, it was the evil uh, spirits from that doll that killed Gao Guifei. Ying Luo soundly denies this, but the emperor does not want to believe her. Meanwhile, Yuan Chuanwang also hears the news that Ying Luo is in trouble. He hurriedly rushes over to find Fu Cha Fu Hong to tell him the news. Yuan Chuanwang quickly explains that Fu Hong cannot go find the emperor directly because it would solidify that Fu Hong has undisclosed personal feelings for Ying Luo that would land her in even worse trouble. That doesn't prevent Fu Hong from rushing out and heading over to Changchun Gong, where he pleads for his sister to wake up and save Ying Luo. While the Empress does shed a tear and moves her fingers to his pleas, she unfortunately does not wake up. Er Qing, though, pipes up and says if he wants to save Ying Luo, there is only one option. In my mind, though, Fu Hong is too gullible because Ying Luo totally did not need him to save her. In front of the emperor and Xian Guifei, Ying Luo easily pointed out several key holes in this whole accusation against her. The knot used for the red string around the doll's neck is entirely different from the knot that she normally uses. Furthermore, the place the doll was supposedly found is damp and humid over the summer. A wooden doll placed there for over two months would be most certainly moist or at least changed in shape due to the humidity. But this wooden doll is dry as a bone, which means it must have only been placed there recently. Immediately, the tides turn and both the emperor and Xian Guifei become impatient at the false accusations from this aunt Liu and she is dragged off to Shen Xingzi. Except this emperor Qianlong is still furious with Ying Luo. He agrees that she should not be punished for this false accusation, but still orders her to be dragged off to the Department of Punishment or Shen Xingzi for having an affair with an imperial guard. He becomes even more angry when Ying Luo just gets up willingly to take her punishment. She doesn't even try to beg or explain herself. The scene shifts and we see Fu Hong kneeling outside of the emperor's palace. When the emperor finally arrives outside to speak with him, the emperor is understandably still angry. He says that he wants to kill Ying Luo. Fu Hong, though, surprises the emperor by declaring that he wants to marry Er Qing. Immediately, Ying Luo is released from Shen Xingzi. Ugh, I am just so annoyed and pissed off and disappointed and frustrated at both of these men. <laughs> Afterwards, Fu Hong has the gall to find Ying Luo. 
He tells her point blank he's going to marry Erqing. Yingluo is absolutely heartbroken, and she tells Fu Hong off. In my mind, I completely agree with everything she said. This would have been a much shorter drama, but if Fu Hong had also persisted and came forward with their affections, sure, the two of them would have been punished or killed, but at least they didn't give up. That's what Yingluo wanted. She was willing to fight for their relationship and take every punishment thrown her way because she knows she went against palace law and fell in love with an imperial guard. But what did Fu Hong do? He gave up on their relationship. We know he did it to save her life, but as Yingluo said, despite having thousands of reasons why he did it, the reason or the reality is staring right at them in the face. He was the one who walked away, not her. And he has the audacity to come back to return the fragrance pouch she made him. Any woman would have been royally pissed off at that move. I am proud of Yingluo for just walking away. Ugh, okay, what do you guys think? In this episode, I see the fault almost entirely on Fu Hong's hands. There were so many careless things that he did in this episode that resulted in him making one of the worst decisions in his life. Sure, there were many, many forces that were working against him. We had Yuan Chun Wang, we had Chun Fei, which we'll find out more in the next episode, and also Er Qing. But come on, man, you should have done more. Or at least not have been so gullible to feel that the only solution presented to him was from Erting. There were so many other things that he could have done. Or retroactively, maybe should not have sneaked out to find Yingluo at Changchungong. I mean, that was the whole reason why the emperor was so pissed is because he saw the two of them together. And the emperor knows Yingluo is there, but why would Fu Hong or why should Fu Hong have been there? I think he was actually... Or I, if I were the emperor, I would have been more pissed at Fu Hong because Fu Hong said, I know that the emperor was meeting some imperial or some other official, so that's why I sneaked out to see you, Ying Luo. I mean, I feel like that, to me, as the emperor shows that Fu Hong is shirking his duties as well, for women, no less. In any case, I am just really, really disappointed at Fu Hong and his whole... Uh, conversation with Yingluo afterwards. Sure, again, it's to save Yingluo's life, but there were probably a million other things he could have done instead of what he did in this episode. Right. In the last two episodes, he was promising the heavens and the earth to Yingluo to say, don't worry, I will marry you. I will find every opportunity to do so. And then guess what? Like an episode later, just Which in the face of one small... Thing. I guess for him, he didn't think it was small. But then he's like, you know what? I'm going to give up. I'm just going to go and marry Erqing to save you. Which doesn't make sense. I do place some of the blame on the emperor, but I didn't think he would actually kill Yingluo. He just is annoyed at the moment, but he is the emperor after all. It's not worth his time to spend too much effort on the likes of Yingluo. And I feel like the emperor would not have actually killed her because he likes her too much. If he really wanted to kill her, he totally could have just done so um, when he was interrogating Yingluo. Why send her off to Shenxingsi? The whole point was to see whether or not Yingluo would beg for forgiveness and deny her relationship with Fu Hong. There were just so many plot holes here that just makes me even more frustrated that Fu Hong acted so rashly. 
So we'll end the episode recap here. We do know at the end of the episode, there is this whole revelation from Yuan Chun Wang, but we will lump that in with our discussion of episode 35 because for today, Karen is very mad about Fu Hang's decision, so we won't talk about Yuan Chun Wang. <laughs> there is going to be some history to chat about today, even though it is rather light. Uh, I feel like the whole focus, again, is whether or not we agree with what Fu Hang did. In his mind, I feel like he's thinking it's in the name for love, but the reality is that he hurt uh, Ying Luo. At the beginning of this episode, a bunch of the palace maids are discussing the emperor. He is always working relentlessly and is an emperor who knows several languages along with all of the other gentlemanly arts. These are actually all historically accurate. For the Qing dynasty, the education of princes was extremely strict and rigid. They started their education from the age of around six and continued into adulthood. If the princes weren't given a formal position or post, then he would continue to attend classes. They were only given a handful of days off during the year to celebrate major holidays, but otherwise, it's off to school, or shang shu fang. The day started extremely early for the princes. They would arrive at the classroom between 3 to 5 a.m. in the morning to review the studies from the previous day. The teachers would then arrive to begin class between 5 to 7 a.m. The princes had several teachers throughout the course of the day. Most of them were prominent court officials that taught them everything from Mongolian to Manchurian to Mandarin. However, the vast majority of the day when reading and writing was involved included the study of Chinese texts. In the afternoon, the princes would then practice riding and shooting. That is why perhaps the quality of princes during the Qing dynasty, or at least the early Qing dynasty, was extremely high, as in most had a very proper education. As for our emperor Qianlong, he continued with the tradition of rising early. He typically was awake by 4 a.m., went to court, and then reviewed documents throughout the course of the day. Dinner was around 7 p.m., and then he'd choose to either spend the night with a concubine from the imperial harem or else continue working. It was typically lights out before 10 p.m., I mean, still, that is a really long day. So yes, while the maids in the palace had long days, it was not the walk in the park for the emperor either. Our second and last piece of history is just a watch and you'll miss item. The emperor is reviewing his son Yongcheng's homework. If you'll recall, he is currently under the care of Charmaine She's character Xian Guifei, and he is also the fourth prince. The name of the poem isn't read or uh, discussed during the episode. It's mainly just the emperor reviewing Yongcheng's homework. However, I thought this would be good for us to kind of discuss the poem in question. The poem is called Teng Wang Ge, or The Prince Teng's Pavilion. It is written by the famous Tang Dynasty poet Wang Bo. This is the shorter poem which acts as a sequel to the very famous preface to the Prince Tung's Pavilion, or Tung Wang Ge Xu. Here's the full poem. Tung Wang Gao Ge Lin Jiang Zhu, Pei Yu Ming Luan Ba Ge Wu, Hua Dong Chao Fei Nan Pu Yun, Zhu Lian Mu Juan Xi Shan Yu, 
，闲云潭影日悠悠，物换星移几度秋。阁中弟子今何在？剑外长江空自流。My translation is as such: The Prince Tong's pavilion is perched high on top, and we see the Gan River below. The noble guests wear jade and jewelry, sitting in their splendid carriages. They have arrived to see the wondrous banquet. In the morning, it looks like painted clouds have arrived from Nampu. At dusk, rain comes from the western mountains. The clouds are reflected in the river below with no end. The stars move and the scene changes. But after countless springs and summers, where is the Prince of Tong? The only constant is the river flowing outside the railing. Now, this poem isn't as famous as preface to the Prince Tung's Pavilion or Tung Wang Ge Xu, but both are part of the standard repertoire of poems that one will have to learn even today. Time is a bit jumbled right now, so I have no idea how old the fourth prince Yongcheng is supposed to be in the drama. However, this isn't an entry-level poem, so this is definitely good for the prince to be learning this. Especially if he is learning both Tang Wang Ge, which is this poem, and Tang Wang Ge Xu. As for the author of the poem, his name, as I mentioned, is Wang Bo. He lived only from 649 to roughly 676, so less than 30 years. I'm sure he had grand plans, but he died shortly after writing these poems. He was traveling to Vietnam to visit his father, but drowned on the way there. If only he had lived a little bit longer—not even a little bit, just some years longer—I'm sure he would have made a bigger name for himself than he already did. And that is it for today's relatively short episode. We just wanted to get our disappointment out of the way towards Fu Hong and also the Emperor, gentlemen. You should not back away from problems or your feelings. But you know, compared to Qi Xiao Gongye from the story of Minglan, I actually think Fu Hong is the worst guy here. As in, Qi Xiao Gongye really fought, and he had like a really overbearing mother. Here, we didn't see any of that, and Fu Hong just kind of went off and made a decision by himself without consulting Wei Yingluo. In the next episode, the Empress roundly criticizes or roundly berates Fu Hong for us. We'll talk all about that in the next episode. If you're looking for sites to watch dramas and you're in the U.S., head over to our sponsor Jubao TV. That's J U B A O T V. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it through the website Jumo or else access it. On TV, if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour, they've also launched on Sling TV, so you can access it on the go on your phone whenever you want. As for any drama reviews or requests on dramas to watch, please reach out to us on Instagram or on our website, or send us an email, and we will take a look to see what we can do to post on our website or just have a nice discussion with you on the dramas that we're watching. We will catch you all in the next episode.